Hey, what's up, everybody? I know I haven't done one of these in a while. And this one won't be the general me talking about a movie or talking to a friend. Hopefully, I'll start those back up soon. I'm doing something I haven't really done on this before. Is I want to try this um, podcasting about a TV show. And the TV show I am going to podcast about is Watchmen. So that came on this past weekend on um, HBO. And um, I thought it was quite good. Uh, It works within the world that was set in the comic and not the one that was set from the movie. Um, For some who might listen to this, a lot of the differences is mostly with the ending because the Snyder film was pretty close in terms of copying the story exactly, except the change to the ending kind of changes some of the point. Um, I won't go into that, but <clears throat> while you might not need to actually read the whole comic, which is 12 issues, which is now like, essentially called a graphic novel even though it came out as issues so it's really a comic book series a limited series um and for those who might listen to this and don't know what i'm talking about watchmen was a landmark series that started in 1985 at dc comics by the writer alan moore and the artist dave gibbons um i should probably know the colorist of watchmen off the top of my head but don't the colors also did an amazing job. All these people are very important. This isn't just a piece of work by Alan Moore. While the other people are just mere uh, monkey hands that does his wishes and they didn't have any input. Um, this comic kind of popularized the nine panel grid within comics in a modern sense and along with a story by Frank Miller called Batman The Dark Knight Returns um, essentially started um, the dark era of comics. And they were kind of deconstructing certain things of heroes in DC Comics at the time in the 80s that kind of jump-started some bad uh, lessons because people got too caught up into the sex violence and the darkness of the stories and not the, actually the point of, you know, exploring the characters in their place in society and reflecting certain things that they didn't like about current society of the mid 80s. Um, I don't totally agree with some of the things in, in both books. Um, my main thing with Watchmen was is not even in terms of some of the ideas or, or the politics of it. It's more or less that people just say it's the greatest thing ever made in comic book them. And I'm like, y'all need to read some more. But it is great. So this show on uh, Watchmen on HBO, the showrunner is Damon Lindelof. He became famous because he... And another gentleman named Carlton Cuse show ran 
a show on ABC in the mid-2000s called Lost. It was probably one of the first shows that garnered, like, nationwide super fandom of watching each week and trying to figure out because there was a lot of mysteries in it. And it's like, okay. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the ending, but you know, not everybody did. So it makes people feel a type of way. But he also made a show called The Leftovers that started off kind of slow, but from what I hear, ended off pretty good. And people enjoyed it. Uh, a lot of Watchmen influenced this person, uh, Lindelof, in terms of how he writes, especially you see it in Lost in terms of using flashbacks to flesh out certain things that happen to characters in the middle of the story to give you, I guess, exposition without exposition to basically uh, build deeper in the character. But to get to the point, he's making Watchmen. It stars Regina King as the lead. The episode, the first episode begins and with the bombing and quote unquote riot in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, the destruction of Black Wall Street, which is probably the first time it's ever been represented in any dramatic fashion or recreation on film as a part of American history that isn't really talked about. Um, the gist is this. And this area of Tulsa and actually in a lot of other places in, in America, there are communities where black people had a certain, uh, they were doing very well for themselves in terms of, uh, the economy and the circulation of money throughout the community. And they were able to set up certain things, much like, you know, a center of commerce within their community. The white folks, uh, the racist and general community did not like this. So they attacked this area and essentially literally bombed it from early airplanes, killed a bunch of people, all types of terrorist acts, and black people had to escape for their lives with few that could. So we start out, we actually start out the show with a woman playing the music to score to a film reel as her son watches an alternate universe real a a counter to um a birth of a nation which is a classic film that's basically a a story telling about the creation of the Ku Klux Klan as a heroic thing to you know get rid of the evil black people so in this world a a filmmaker made stories of of Bass Reeves. Bass Reeves is a famous lawman of the 19th century who was inspiration for the Lone Ranger. Uh, 
in history, which maybe you found out way later, is that this man was black. So basically one of the most famous lawmen of the West is a black dude. So in this movie, Trust the Law, he is this this you see just a man riding down, riding, uh, chasing this other all this 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 white guy all in white, this this policeman being chased, and you see this guy in like a black hood and black coverings. It's like, oh man, I don't know what this is about. And these people come out of the church, like, oh no, stop this man. And then like he gets the guy down, he takes his hood off, it's like um, it's like this man broke the law, and I'm bringing him in. He stole and he cheated, and then like some kid in the crowd is like, "Oh, that's famous lawman Bass Reeves. We gotta listen to him. He's doing the right thing." And then like basically, it's like he's a superhero. That's the outside, and you've seen all chaos happen as these, as this woman and then her husband try to get her son into this car. As like complete other terror and murders happening around them, that their friends are going to escape town with their baby. They get out. The place in which the parents are in is blown up. I should have said this earlier. Spoilers. And like many people said online, this kind of at this point starts playing with some of the iconography. Of Superman, which is also a play, an iconography of Moses. Um, so you get to a point where it has a hard cut, and then you see it's nighttime. The carriages, the, the car is, is kind of turned over. Um, both of the adults are um, basically they're dead. Don't know how and why. They had a baby. The young boy picks up the baby. He has a note on him that says, protect this boy. And you don't know who this note is for. And since this is my podcast, my first theory is that this note is for Dr. Manhattan. You know, um, for those who might listen to this and haven't read Watchmen, uh, Dr. Manhattan kind of exists in different points of time at all times because he's like atomic. And there's a point in which you see in this story, Dr. Manhattan has been living on Mars for 35 years because in the story, it then fast forwards to 2019 and it's after the events of the book. So as I said, Dr. Manhattan has been um, up there for 35 years since the end of the book. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, this is this is what this is what y'all doing, and um, we get a car stop, uh, uh, police stopping the car. We see a white gentleman in there being frustrated, and a black police officer stopping him. Asking for consent to record him as a, through this exchange, all these things that we know police officers in our world in our time don't do. This cop is kind of suspicious. Of this guy, because we find out later, there is this racist group, this white supremacist group called the Seventh Cavalry. They use masks that look like Rorschach. 
one of the heroes of the original story of Watchmen as a symbol for their group. They, you know, super duper right wing, super duper racist, super duper white nationalists, hate liberals, all that type of stuff. Stuff that you can see online or in some four or eight chan or whatever. You take the time to actually go see that you probably shouldn't. Cop sees a mask. He goes back to his car. Also, I should have left this out. The police officer wears a mask. I'll get into that later. So he gets in the car. He radios back in. States what he thinks is going on. Asks permission to use his firearm. See, again, in this world, police just can't wear can't just walk out here with cops all willy-nilly. I mean, cops can't walk out with guns all willy-nilly. They got to ask permission to use their firearm. And the person on the line is named Panda. They explain that shit later. He ends up giving them permission, unlocks the gun. It takes a little while. And the period it takes for him to finally get the gun out of the locking system, the dude in the car to put his mask on, his Rorschach mask, took out some machine gun, Shot the whole car up. Lit that joint up. My man sitting there bleeding out. Dude, throw some lettuce on because he said I was just carrying some lettuce. Clearly, the cop was right by suspicion. This guy daggone tears. He gets in the car, drives away. We cut to John Johnson, who we find out is the chief of the police. Because now we find out we back we back in Oklahoma, but it's 2019. And, you know, he's going to, you know, he's a, he's got to get his, his, like his blues on his uniform. He got to go to the hospital to see the cop, make sure the cop's okay. Cops. Okay. Not only that, he has to go see the cop's wife, tell him what's what, who's who, what's going on. See, in this world, cops have secret identities because said terrorist group three years prior just started just attacking cops and their families just just on some anti-state stuff like state can't be trusted state is liars the country's going downhill blah 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 so they started just shooting cops willy-nilly and attacking their family so cops get to protect their identity by wearing masks which is interesting because this is a world in which because of the keen act a lot of things that happened in the original Watchmen story for those who don't know, superheroes or mass vigilantes was outlawed. Fast forward 35 years or 30 some odd years, cops get attacked. Guess what cops can do? They can wear masks, they can take their identity so these people can't kill them all randomly when they find out who they are, find them when they, when they you know, when they slip in or attack their homes, families, blah, 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 as being, you know, members of, you know, Officials of the state, law enforcement, whatever. They show that regular regular police officers, you know, the ones who wear, like, the uniforms, they get a uniform and they wear a yellow mask over their face. You still see their eyes, but it covers up everything from the nose down. You know, like some old ninja mask type shit, like Storm Shadow. They show you that the higher level, higher ranked police officers, basically, like it's like sergeants and detectives and all that type of stuff. 
these motherfuckers get full on outfits and code names. That's what I was talking about. Panda. Panda is the guy who handles the, the firearms. Let's sure, you know, you can or cannot use a gun or whatever. This motherfucker literally wears a panda helmet. Looking like a weird, dirty version of like Dead Mouse or Hazel and Cha-Cha in Umbrella Academy. So Don Johnson, he does his thing. Then you end up meeting Regina King's character. So Regina King's character is named Angela Abar. Um, you meet her doing a talk at school as she's basically explaining um, like proteins and separating whites from the yolk of an egg. Damn, she ends up making like a happy face. I don't think, you know, it's just a winking and nod, the Easter egg for us. Hot Easter egg. Um, just got that. But she says she's a baker. She used to be a policewoman. She was one of the policewomen who attacked three years prior. Um, she retired. Um, and then she just runs a bakery. She gets news of what happened. She gets paged. In this world, there's no cell phones. A lot of reasons why there's a lot, there's a lot of less technology in this Watchmen show is because, again... And there's going to be a lot of people that say you don't need to watch. You don't need to rewatch them to understand this show. And that is correct. You don't. But if you're going to sit around and ask, like, why are they using cell phones? Why are they doing this, that and the third? Why are they using all this old stuff? Why certain things like this and certain things not? It's because all this shit happens in the comic book. Is a reason why certain technology isn't there because of certain things that happen within that story. So she gets a page, right? She goes to her bakery. She goes and she suits up like Batman back in Batman 66, the old TV show. She comes out as her her cop persona, Sister Knight. She looks like a nun and a vigilante. So, like, you, you mix up Batman and, like, a vigilante with, like, cop stuff because she has, like, a stick and, like, a badge. But she also has, like, a rosary and she has, like, some black face paint around her eyes. So you just see, like, darkness in her eyes and then, like, her mask and then, like, this nun get up. And she go find this dude. You know, she gets a suspect. Uh, she brings him in. She beats him up first. She tells the chief, you know, the good old chief, my man. I still call him Don Johnson, but his name is Chief, chief Judd Crawford, right? She brings him here, and she's like, you know, she messes with him. Clearly, she's like the best cop because she gets to talk to the, the chief all type of way. Um, but, you know, star cops get to do that in, like, cop stuff, you know? My man at Die Hard get to talk to his chief any type of way. Ask Foley get to talk to his chief all types of way, even though that chief would yell at him and make you feel like you messed up through the movie screen. But I digress. So she brings in the um, the guy for questioning. They got like a test. Looks like that test that if you watch Blade Runner, 
2049 or whatever. I don't even think that was 2049. Whatever. That joint, that 20, that new Blade Runner that my man Baby Goose had to go through or like when you watching Westworld and the joint the robots got to go through. It's like that. So the person doing the interview or the interrogation, his superhero name is Looking Glass and he wears like a mirrored mask over his face. This shit looks lit, man. He's just a dude in a suit and he has like a silver head. Kind of like um, Music Sounds Better With You video from like 1998. Y'all should look that up. It's crazy. And he's asking, showing all these things. And the background is giving you mad information, you know. And they also talk about things like, do you believe that uh, certain things are hoaxes and and conspiracies by the state? And, you know, dude says no, but they know he's lying. Because in this world, a certain event happens that something to do with like an alien attack. Don't want to spoil that book, but it's important. That being said, at least the random events where like um, little squids rain down on everybody and the people know it's going to happen because they played the air horn sirens from like World War II when it's about to happen. But yeah. So that question that they ask connects back to the real Rorschach and this book he wrote. This journal. But again, I ain't gonna spoil that book. Everybody can read Watchmen. Some of you probably already read Watchmen. Some of you might have watched the movie. You might know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't read Watchmen, I'm not gonna spoil that for you right now. Let's just go read it real fast. And get into all that. Basically, get some cop stuff. They know that these seven cavalry guys is back. They try to nip him in the bud. They find out where they base. They about to run a hit on them. You know, real cop shit. They get a crew of police officers together. They get the okay. They got the chief up there leading the mission. They going to the spot. They got the heavy artillery out. The chief, because of the return of Southern Cavalry, puts it to effect that, you know, we start using the gats again. Full discretion. Pan is like, nah, that's whack. He gets overruled. They say in um in Latin, who watches the watchmen? Again, another Easter egg. They go out there, these seventh cavalry cats putting out videos, talking about they about to hit everybody extra heavy. Then they base, they ready. They got the 50 cal out there like Rambo. They see that the cops is coming because they got the whole spot wired up. They out there like, da, 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 da. Mamas, the cows is getting hit up. They using the cows as shielding. Sister Knight running up on folks. Beating people behind other mamas you, you, you didn't meet. They got killed, of course. My man Don Johnson, Chief Judd, up in this flying ship. Um... Who looks like the owl ship the night owl had, but a police issue version, so it's a little bit different. He's there holding it down, but you know, the some of the Southern Cavalry gets in the airplane, they fl- try to fly away. He go after them, burn them up. They he crash, 
they he gets out of the ship. The cops are happy. By the way, there's a cop by the name of Pirate Jane. First of all, that's a dope name. Damn sure it's a fire costume. I'm with it. I want more of her. Pirate Jane, let's get it popping. Everybody's happy. They all go to Sister Knight's house. Sister Knight, they have dinner. The chief, his wife, Sister Knight, her husband, their kids. Kids all happen to be white, by the way. Do I need an explanation on that? Not really. Well, I said shaded white. They ain't black kids. But it'll be interesting to see how they got to this point. All the while, in the middle of this, we cut to some countryside estate in which we have in Jeremy Eyes' character, who they don't officially give a name to yet. Everybody thinks it's Adrian Veidt, Ozymandias in the original story. Um, but he's there, this proper man, drinking some tea, while his, his butler's giving him a, a thigh massage, and his maid comes in, they're talking about some anniversary. Earlier in the episode, you see Louis Gossip Jr.'s character whose name is Will Reeves. Reeves is spelled the same way as Bass Reeves' name. Think we got a little connection here. Thinking Louis Gossip Jr. character is actually connected to Bass Reeves is me speculating. Think Bass Reeves leads to superheroes because... Is another little thing within this show. Is the most popular TV show in this TV show is a show called American Hero Story. So think about all the FX shows Ryan Murphy's done: American Crime Story, American Horror Story, this, that, and third. But instead of about like stuff like OJ or like the assassination of Gianni Versace, it's about all the old superheroes who don't get to be around no more. So. This one's on Hooded Justice. Hooded Justice is one of the middlemen from the Golden Age, which is from like the 40s and, and early 50s within the old Watchmen comic, which plays a key point. Just to let you know, this isn't really a spoiler. He's a loose end. We don't find out what the hell happened to Hooded Justice. We find out what happens to everybody else in that story, but not Hooded Justice. I'm thinking Hooded Justice is connected to Bass Reeves, a.k.a. This Race for the Lone Ranger, and Will Reeves, because Will Reeves, Louis Goff Jr., is the same, is the old man of the kid we get from the beginning of the episode. He survived the Tulsa bombing and all that. So he's there in a wheelchair being like hella old. So again, then getting ahead of myself. Where was I at? So, Don Johnson, he's driving back to the hospital. He runs over some spikes. He stops. He gets out of the car. He knows it's kind of a trap. He sees a bright light. Oh, no. Cut. Uh, Sister Knight is getting busy with her husband. 
She gets interrupted by the phone. Phone gives her something. She's like, oh, man, I don't know what's up, but I got to go check this out because she's the heavy in a relationship. She's a goddamn superhero cop. She drives out there. She sees her boss, Chief Judd, hanging from a tree. Fucks her night up. Underneath this is an old black man in a wheelchair. And you're like, damn. And, you know, she's doing her cop stuff, like, you know what I'm saying? Cut, he's like, break the bright light. He's like, cut the light off. What happened? Do this. He's like, yo, I did this. And she's like, it's you bullshitting because you was an old-ass man in a wheelchair. You old 90-year-old thing. You ain't hanging, hanging nobody from no tree. He's like, actually, I'm 105, and you need to watch your manners. You curse too much. And then the show basically ends with his badge on the ground. And much like the beginning of Watchmen, a drop of blood falls into his badge, much like a drop of blood is the symbol falling onto the comedian's smiley face button. And we have a new murder mystery that's going to lead to probably some huge conspiracy or some new revelations on how this world is. It was tightly written. It was well shot. It was well edited. Trent Reznor didn't score. The music was popping. The sound was was great. Get your mind all acting all crazy and all into it. And yeah, I I, I watched it back to back that first night and then I couldn't go to sleep. So I watched like a little bit of a yen and it really holds up with multiple viewings. Um, I am probably need to just crack open the book to see if I could pick out any other little things in terms of symmetry or other things, not only to like pacing and cuts and shots. Because clearly the easy one is the drop of blood on the badge equaling the same as the drop of blood falling on comedians. button. again, folks who ain't read or watch the movie, just go read it. It's not hard. Um, One thing about the book they chose to replicate is that in the comic book, they were... Um, Supplemental material, there's two different things going on outside of the main story. There was a comic book that a black kid was reading that was a pirate story that connects to a lot of what's going on within the main story and subtext. Got to get it more and more as you reread it on how it connects to certain things happening and the mind state of certain character and what they're doing in your A plot to see this in the B plot. Another thing they would do is that one of the older characters wrote a book about the times of superheroes in the 40s and 50s. And you would get you get exposition and backstory on why certain people are this way and what happened is that in the third. So as I stated earlier in the show, the corresponding version of the pirate story is this peak TV show about superheroes. A peak TV show and a peak TV show is hilarious. It's a great joke. The other thing is HBO started a website called PDP, PDPedia. 
So it do, it's documenting the FBI now starting to use more technology after no one really using the technology and doing everything by like paper and, you know, carbon transfers and stuff like that that we've clearly given up on. But they have it because technology is bad. Um, you have a memo of the person explaining <sighs> the Federal Bureau of Investigation, uh, U.S. Department of Justice, from the director, James Doyen, to the Anti-Vigilante Task Force Group, uh, basically explaining how they're digitizing their workflow and not to fear the computer. We figured out some of these things that aren't going to kill you. We figured out ways so because people think Technology in certain ways would give you radiation, give you cancer, you die. Um, again, read a comic, watch them. I even say watch the movie. That'll make more sense to you. They have a a four page art essay about this book, about about the movie Trust in the Law that we see a little clip of in the beginning of the episode about like this. Um, this filmmaker in the in the twenties making these black films about black heroes based on real people to counteract uh, Birth of a Nation. That's where I knew this from because, like, oh, I was like, oh, y'all putting up the supplemental material. <laughs> oh, let's get into this. There's another thing is the um. Bob Woodward's, you know, the indie world, Bob Woodward, not our Bob Woodward, but in the world, his uh, piece about um, Adrian Veidt, Ozymandias being declared dead and giving up searching on him because he's been gone for a while. Not as long, not since the book, but like like six, seven years. And have things like the WPI Content Network. So I'm, I'm guessing we could say that's the Washington Post International Content Network. It is Bob Woodward. That's the change for working where you know, writing for the Washington Post. Um, in this world, Nixon served five terms as president. Uh, he won Vietnam. Vietnam is the 51st state of the United States. Um, you learn some of that through this. Uh, some of the things that happened since the end of the book, but because currently within the story, the current president is Robert Redford. Um, another one thing that's interesting is because, you know, Robert Redford played by Ben. Ben Woodward. Oh, it might be wrong. Hold on. Yeah. See, I was wrong for a second. Um, real guys. Bob Woodward. This is Ben Woodward. I'm thinking that they might get into this. He might be the son of Bob Woodward because in this world, all that stuff with Deep Throat and Nixon resigned didn't happen. But the last the last memo is about Rorschach's journal and um, its effects within society. Um, I guess it should it shouldn't be said talked about this is that this Watchmen show isn't a direct sequel, but it's like 
a sequel in a sense to the original book. Currently in comics, um, very popular, famous, and important DC superhero comics writer Jeff Johns has decided upon himself to also do a sequel that is comic book wise really late. Uh, his artist is Gary Frank, he, a very good artist. Um, his sequel is very much different. He decided, and this is spoiler territory. He decided to do a point that when Dr. Manhattan left and went to Mars, he didn't just went to Mars. He didn't just go to Mars. He went over into, he somehow got super duper more popular, powerful somehow and went over and messed with the main DC universe. Um, continuity and timeline changed things. That's how we got the new 52 and then a bunch of other stuff because classically Watchmen wasn't a part of DC continuity. It was a story. It was originally thought of as a way of taking comic characters they bought when DC in the 70s bought another comic company called Charleston Comics and they had the Blue Beetle and they had Captain Adam and the Question and um, much other characters. Originally, Watchmen started off as something like that. And then DC editors changed their mind and said, like, you can't use these characters. So Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons decided to make it, to retool it and make their own characters. And from that, we get to this whole, we get to Watchmen. In this story that Jeff Johns is creating, he folded that story into DC continuity. I'll get into some of that later on how that's problematic and how that like is even a deeper way of screwing over Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons in terms of them getting back their property. But just what they said is that Doomsday Clock is about Dr. Manhattan playing God, messing up, and eventually coming at odds with Superman. Um, his story starts with terms of like Ozymandias coming over to our world because everyone finds out stuff and it takes place in 1992 and there's a new Rorschach and there's these uh, <sighs> Punch and Julie that's a whole nother another Charleston rip like there's all these things they come over and they interact with Batman and Joker and Lex Luthor and there's this whole thing where there's like a plot where people think like the United States government created superheroes as part of the Cold War arms race and Lex Luthor found this out and he's like it's a it it doesn't really rock well but one of the main things is that Rorschach's journal within Jeff John's story has this landmark effect and causes things to go haywire because everyone believes his story, what he says. And in the Watchmen TV show thing plays a lot more out like real life where Rorschach's journal gets out, but because of where it's published, 
people don't take it seriously because of the political leanings of the paper and it becomes conspiracy theory stuff. People kind of treat it like those conspiracy videos you see on YouTube about 9-11 being a hoax or like flat earthers and such. It's treated like that. But it also goes into like certain things that happen with Vigilante's whole set event and with a character we'll be meeting in episode two, which is a character directly from that story in Watchmen. Again, which is why I don't get why people are telling people you don't need to know Watchmen because one of the main characters from the original comic is a character in this. I could be wrong, but most likely they haven't seen every episode because HBO never gives out all the episodes to reviewers. But I digress. But yes, um, that is, I think, a six pager. A lot, a lot, a lot is in this, especially for fans of Watchmen. You might get a lot out of this. You'll get a lot out of all these, but this one's like, oh, okay. Well, that adds in a lot of like what happened in between things. And we're probably going to get more posts each episode. People who care, you can find the stuff at HBO.com slash PDPedia. P-E-T-E-Y P-E-D-I-A Read this joint every week. Um, Maybe in the future I'll talk more about Doomsday Clock. How I don't really rock with it. Especially after watching this first episode in terms of how you, you build off of this landmark material and talking about things that's happening in current society. And how smart it was that you you not you shouldn't tie Batman and, and Superman into things like this. Um, this show is dealing with race, is dealing with police violence, is dealing with uh, domestic terrorism, much as the Cold War and all the mess that the Cold War was dealing with uh, was going on in the original Watchmen. So. Let's see where we get. Giving this episode a good thumbs up of sorts. I don't know if I'm going to actually have ratings for this. But I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this wasn't too rambly. Uh, I'll probably have more theories about um, Bass Reeves, Will Reeves, Hooded Justice, and like the birth of the superhero and how it connects. Because technically, the Lone Ranger... And actually, before this, uh, Zorro and many other things, which are like pulp heroes and Scarlet Pimpernel and all that stuff is like predates, you know, the superhero in our world, publishing wise, in the DC Comics world and would predate in the Watchmen world. So if they connect everything back to like a black lawman, that'd be pretty badass. But I'll try to put out one of these a week. And try to really get back on my bag on other episodes. But, um, yeah, you can you can uh, hit me up at uh, ignorantblisspodcast at gmail.com. Um, the Twitter account is at IGBL podcast, ignorant bliss podcast, essentially. IGBL podcast. Um do things on Apple Podcasts and and leave reviews and such. 
it's on most of the known podcast places. So you can subscribe all types of places. I'm not on iHeart yet. I'm not on Pandora yet. Uh, I'm working on that. But if you find podcasts, it's it's out there. SoundCloud too. Um, add Julian Light on SoundCloud. That's where I, I just put on my personal one there. Uh, hope uh, hope everybody does well. This is a good show to watch on HBO. Might be worth subscribing for two months. And peace.